Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it to Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Yet for another week, midweek, it's like we know the week is half over when we see J.C. Cole sitting in the big chair. We call it the hot seat. How are things in New Jersey today? Uh, New Jersey, unfortunately, is still New Jersey, and we still have our governor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Surely, in the era of recalling everything and everybody, somebody's trying to recall him, right? I would hope so. (laughs) Sounds like, I hope somebody gets that done. I'm not in on it. Right. Just one more Goldman Sachs employee, you know, running running the state. Yeah. Hello, Brian. Hope things are well in Pike County, Illinois. Uh, so a week ahead of that little ship, not parallel parked correct, correctly by a female, you predicted that, that would there would be some disruption to uh, that part of the world. Did you tell me that there's another ship blocking the Suez Canal? What's going on over there? Well, to, it looked like it was temporary. It was uh, either yesterday or the day before because they are, you know, uh, uh, few hours ahead of us but apparently another ship had engine trouble i don't know maybe maybe they ran out of gas but we want to we, <laughs> we don't want to go there um but they blocked again that the, the uh, suez canal was blocked again temporarily until they got the machine running but this is just another example of how vulnerable our existing supply chain is um where okay in this particular case um it was engine trouble oh you know, you could easily have seven ships enter the seven canals and just turn off. And, the, and that just stops the whole system. And that we rely so much on this just-in-time delivery system. Mm-hmm. And um, this is literally our Achilles heel with business. Okay. So, first of all, I don't know how often these disruptions <clears throat> excuse me, have happened throughout the course of history, but they seem to be like once a week now. Secondly, I don't know how in tune we've been to it. Thirdly, um, you tell me to do things every week, and I agree. Things like figure out how to be self-sufficient in electricity, things like get a three-year supply of fuel on hand, which I agree with all of those things. JC, I haven't done a thing to get done what you told me to do. Well, part of that is, you know, your belief system and 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 um, and how you know how uh, how much how critical you think it is. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, putting up the smoke detector before you have the fire in the house. Um, I actually think it's critical, but I never take the action. I never call anybody to get a bigger diesel tank in here. I don't even have a diesel tank. I have propane tanks, but I don't have a diesel tank. Right. And, and so, so, you know, these things, you know, it, it all comes back to, you know, the Boy Scouts, be prepared. And these things are critical and, and we're calling you know, we're shining the light on it that, you know, if you have a diesel tank, you know, it'll take you a week or two to get it and then um, then a couple other days to fill it. But you're in a very good position. And one of the things that I recommend is looking at your own business model and finding out those areas. Uh, one thing that we hadn't discussed, um, but when I came back from Latvia, I did what's known as a SWOT analysis. That's a business analysis. That stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm -hmm. But I did it on the country. Nobody seems to do that. 
And, and when you actually look at our strengths, we have incredible strengths. One is that we come together faster than any other civilization or culture that I've come across. Um, as, as you know, the, you know, the, the, the Amish, uh, if you want your, um, your barn built, you have to help build theirs. And so the Amish come together for a barn building. Well, that's our culture. <clears throat> so we come together as Americans for, um, you know, a common cause faster than anybody else. Let us identify the common cause and the common cause is, is the strengthening and survival of our country. And, and, so that kicks over into a SWOT analysis, and we look at the threats of our country. And mm-hmm. when I did the SWOT analysis, all of a sudden I realized that we are completely vulnerable to a collapse of our shipping, you know, of our just-in-time delivery system. And, of course, when I said that, you know, the majority of Americans, oh, no, that can't ever happen. Ah, no, no, no. Boom. Right. Not only that, a fake pandemic shut it, started to shut it down. What happened if it was a real pandemic? What happened if people were falling over in the streets? Um, um, you know, that we would have, uh, our, our shipping system would have shut down immediately. Right. And, and here's an interesting point. You see all these talking heads about getting, getting the toxic mix. That's what I call it or the jab because it, you know, it doesn't qualify as a vaccine under definition. And they, they, or, or approval, all, and it was never right, approved. Right, right. They were they were emergency uh, uh, released from the FDA. You know, exp- uh, under experimental uh, status. Well, that's an experiment. You know, and I don't yeah. know. You know, uh, who who's smart enough to uh, you know stick a needle in your arm that you cannot reverse as an experiment. So when we when we um. Apparently a lot of people, JC, because I see people every day lining up to get another jab. Well, I think that I think President Lincoln had that pretty well covered. You know, you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And so literally, if we are coming up to what's starting to be known as the um, was it the anti-vax war. In -hmm. other words, the people who don't want to take. The, um, the the jab against the people who who think that everybody should take the jab. Another example of divide and conquer, and this can get really nasty, um, you know, because the people who have taken the the uh, um, toxic mix, they believe that the people who haven't taken the toxic mix are trying to kill them by not, you know, by spreading the disease. And of course, now there's information that the people that did take the uh, jab may create uh, mutant strains of the, of the virus that could get quite deadly and that they are the ones that may um, be deadly. So this is being set up again. This is actually written down in um, uh, Rockefeller documents called um, Lockstep, the planning to pit one part of America against another part of America. Right? And one of the best things to do is be aware of the plans of the enemy and, and so that they can't be used on you. 
And, and maybe even more interestingly, along those lines, it, it seems as though anybody who gets the jab feels compelled to post that on Facebook as soon as possible to say, hey, look, I did it. Okay, what, I just got a whole bunch what? of feed, uh, uh, feedback. Uh, I find that interesting. <laughs> hey, I had a conversation with my governor this week, uh, an yeah. excellent conversation. And uh, the unnamed social media source that we're actually on right now yes. uh, put a warning label up on my governor saying that uh, this information is medical related. You should consult a real medical professional before before digesting this information. <laughs> I found that humorous. Yes, right. And, of course, anything I discuss, I'm not a trained uh, uh, licensed uh, financial advisor, Um you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, under our legal systems. So you're on your own. Right. Yeah, it's, it's actually YO, YO. You're on your own. So um, I have one minute before I'm going to go to a break, and I want you to do something for people who have not been with us here before. In one minute or less, summarize what you learned in 18 years in Latvia, witnessing the the falling of the Soviet Union. That we should all know in a soundbite, a sixty a sixty second soundbite. Okay, well, the first is how vulnerable we are and how quickly it can change without anybody knowing it. You know, the the Soviet Union collapsed in less than a week, and basically three hundred million people uh, lost their pension and had no clue it was happening and had not prepared at all for it. And we are very similar to that structure here in America. Wow, that was like a real soundbite in twenty two seconds. You should be in communications, J.C. Cole. All no, right, no. we are we are going to take a break in case this, you know, uh, alarm alarming people that the just-in-time food system might be dangerous. You should think about communications. I want to remind you about an educational system that is all about genomics and looking at what is present in the DNA of the animals that you are producing. We do not use a boar unless we know what the meat quality genomics are. We test every single calf that we produce. Chickens are using this just to see what alleles are present so that we make fewer mistakes because humans do make mistakes. But when you have more data compiled and use the data, you can accelerate your breeding process because we're producing more with less. That's the overall goal. And even some disease mitigation. That in itself is beneficial. Nijin, the outfit making this happen. Get more details about shining light on your genetic future at neogen.com. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole, joining us from his farm in New Jersey, whining about the governor he has. That's okay. All motivation starts with a good whine. You yes. mentioned during the break that you are a dog lover. What kind I am. of dogs do you have? Um, I have uh, two um, rescue uh, German Shepherds, which I believe are also half husky. You know, they came from Mexico, right? Yeah, no, they came from uh, Puerto Rico. And that's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, I often share this story is that for the last four years, people are saying, Man, we just don't have the dogs available in these shelters anymore. What happened to all this overbreeding problem we had with these backyard breeders? It's like, 
These dogs didn't come from backyard breeders, people. They're being smuggled in with drugs, and they're many times mules for the drugs from Mexico. I don't know how many come from Puerto Rico, but I can track five million a year coming from Mexico, and they're going into shelters, and people are adopting them because they want to talk about their rescue dog, just like J.C. Cole. Get the facts. Well, yes, my mine were a little bit different, but um, apparently, you know, there was a hurricane that nailed Puerto Rico, which is one of the things we have to talk about. You know, again, okay. it's a threat. And that uh, a good amount of Puerto Rico is still not on electricity. And it's like a year and a half later. And and so, um, you know, these people, well, a good percentage of the population got devastated. What's the holdup in getting that fixed or rebuilt or what's what's the current status? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, really, I, I haven't looked into it in that um, um amount of detail i know that there was at times a battle between uh the u.s government trump and uh and the uh, democratic uh governor um Uh but but yeah uh, you know there's there's uh, millions of people there still without um running water and electricity well i just said jay truett on yesterday we're gonna have to revisit that situation yeah, the, you know, the, the, this is, you know, people just don't, we're not getting informed. That's one of the things. And the first part is how how brittle our, our um, supply chain is. And now look what's happening is that Amazon is expanding, you know, to pharmaceutical prop, you know, delivery. Well, people are now getting you know, uh, accustomed to just, you know, next day delivery. And that's going to be the kiss of death when those companies shut down. If they shut down and, and we see the effects of, um, let's say our malls are, are closing. The two largest malls in America, um, um, are, have just been taken over by their, uh, financiers. Um, and this, this is just consistent across the board. So uh, like a um, foreclosure? Like a foreclosure, right. Well, they actually swapped um, They swapped a percentage of ownership, and it looks like they probably took control of management. That would be the Mall of America and the big one out here in New Jersey in the Meadowlands. Um, and so and people... Well, you know, the, the, the challenge is our school systems haven't prepared us for uh, a, a huge amount of what we're, we're seeing happening, such as, you know, we have a financial, in my opinion, and the opinion of many others, we have a financial debacle coming where our currency was used as the world reserve currency. And last week, or actually this week, it's a, in the last uh, seven days, the International Monetary Fund has announced that it's going to create a new um a, a new world reserve currency and Americans have no clue what that means. Um, but, but basically what it means is that 50% of all the dollars created are outside of the country and that other countries won't need them anymore. And so the only place for those to be sold or used would be back here in America. That creates hyperinflation. I saw a place this week, JC, and, and it was it was like a convenience store or something. And I don't remember the name of the place. doesn't matter. But it had a, a digital billboard that said Bitcoin available here now. 
I don't even know what that means, really. I mean, I've, I've talked to people. I've had people on explaining Bitcoin. Bitcoin's here now. What does that mean? Bitcoin is, well, there's a, a lot of definitions of it, but basically it's an alternative currency. And, and it's not in the control of one government, as best as we know. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. about that. But so, so it's an exchange system that is very easy to do. At, and as you see, Bitcoin hit like $60,000 a coin, which is an indication that people are not trusting the existing system, uh, which is a fiat money system. And so what happens when we go into a system where our currency fails right, or, or gets um, uh, severely um, uh, reduced in value? Well, I've been through I've been through four currency changes. And, you know, these things are a bitch. And um, and if you don't know what to do, it's like going through a house fire. What do you do? And mm-hmm. well, the first is you prepare for it and, and you're you have, you know, alternative ways of of uh, payment with finances, such as Bitcoin, such as some gold, some silver, um, uh, maybe some of the other uh, um, cryptocurrencies. Uh, and and also you might have you know um, uh, physical cash reserve uh, if the banking system goes down. And I've been through five banking crashes, and I tell you when they happen, it, it, it's brutal. You know, you I almost it was the only time in my life I almost got emotionally sick is when I found out that I had just been paid one full year in advance by all my customers, and then I was notified that my bank was going down, and. Uh, um, fortunately, I was so well connected. I found out a week before it happened, and I immediately moved my 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 savings uh, out of the bank. Um, and it did go down. Uh, Vernon's got a great question. We talk about the vulnerability and the power grid, which you have explained very well in weeks past. If we rely on a digital currency, i.e., Bitcoin. And we have a vulnerable electricity system. What's the value of a Bitcoin? Well, if yes, if you if you don't have the internet or the ability to exchange, then then you can't use that asset. It doesn't mean it doesn't have any value. It means that you can't use it for exchange. Um, it's it's almost like having gold in a war zone, where um, you know if you read a, uh, a a few books by a gentleman named Selko. Um, I think it's like uh, Bladovich. He actually went through the um, uh, the Yugoslavian wars and writes about all of the difficulties he had. Well, the value of gold still had value, but it wasn't world value because they couldn't get to the open market. So, so you're right, and and it comes down to don't. <laughs> we're back to chickens. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> Everything's got to come back to a damn chicken. <laughs> That's right. And and by the way, let me just chip in. Buy an incubator. They, you know, they're about yeah. uh, anywhere between a hundred and two hundred dollars. I recommend the ones that run on twelve volts, one one ten, um, because that way you can have you can you know have food. 
and 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 grow food. Um, but getting back to it, you, you know, I would not put all my money in Bitcoin. I would not put it all in gold or silver or and with respect, I would not put all my money on the hoof. Right. I'd have a balance of assets. I, I'm right here. I know you're talking about me. Go ahead. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, well, by the way, I have I have assets on the hook, too. We have and, yeah. and um, I have about 40 uh, milking goats. And um, and then we have uh, at least 40 deer on our property. Um you know, wild you're, deer. Are you claiming? Are you claiming ownership of the property of New Jersey right there? It sounds to me like you're claiming. Do you put those on your property tax returns at the end of the year? No, no, no. Now, there's a very fine rule law there. I mean, rule. So, <laughs> so right. Although in, in, there's such a problem in New Jersey, I can easily go and get a hunting license to take as many off as I wanted to at any time. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, there, there's such a nuisance. In New Jersey, there's such an oversupply of them that, that they really are a road hazard. And um, so all you have to do is prove that they're they're creating damage to your crops. And per- then they'll give you as many permits as you want. Permission in- to stump my guests as I go out of this segment. How many animals are killed on the nation's highways every day with automobiles? I, I don't know. But, One um, million. Every day, one million animals killed on the highways with automobiles. If we all just rode a horse, Bambi would live. All right, we have to go to a break. Lone Creek Cattle Company providing the opportunity to be a part of that beef supply. You as a cattleman need to get paid properly, accelerate the value of the beef, but then also also capture that value. Details about Lone Creek Cattle Company's certified Piedmontese system can be found on the web, as long as the web is here, at www.lonecreekcattleco.com. Marlon Will is the chap to talk to. We'll be back with the second half of Rural Route after this. Welcome back. Rural Route, Trent Lewis alongside J.C. Cole joining us with his chickens and 40, who milks 40 goats? Well, I didn't get to that milking part. They're, they're, they're more as a... Um, <laughs> you said milking goats. <laughs> they're, they're more as a reserve in case things break. Are they at least pregnant? Yeah, so... Because you know they um, don't milk unless they are pregnant at one point, right? Yep, I uh, I do have that much advanced knowledge. <laughs> yeah. you mean You mean the guys with the the horns are that they don't milk. <laughs> yeah, you can milk them. Yeah, right, right. But you, I would you, milk you, them to make more goats. I would milk them to add to your coffee. That's just my yeah, own that's choice. right. I'm, I'll tell you. You know, I don't know how fast you can run, but <laughs> yeah. I, I milk my boars every week. This oh, week, okay. Well, let's just leave. Fortunately, Mother Nature takes care of that. If I needed, I needed to breed. Um, I just let the uh, buck in with the does, and and everything's taken care of very quickly. You do have genomic data on that buck, right, JC, to know that it's right. No, buck to I, use. I, yeah, I, I I did not go to that level of extent of it. I'm sure there are some people out there on 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 um I, on. I actually I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you, because. Even with the the twenty three and me, I find that people just really don't understand how that's arrived at, and this might uh, filter into our conversation that you and I have been having. Is that the only way they know what country you're from 
is that they do a baseline on where the people from Scandinavia typically reside on the chromosome platform. And I've had people tell me that, you know, I redid my 23andMe and I've changed. <laughs> no, <laughs> you haven't changed. But they have a more accuracy in their database. And so unless there's a database for your dairy goats, and I don't think we have a database at Neogen for dairy goats, but we have a database for chickens. We have a database for uh, beef cattle, dairy cattle, and pigs. But you know the number one growth area in genomic testing? What's that? It's the same as the number one growth area in insurance, and that is for pets. People hmm. are all testing the genomics of their Puerto Rican Siamese uh, cat crossed with a Rottweiler dog to see where it traces back to, uh, what breed makeup it is. I, I find it interesting that people, they go get a rescue dog, then they want to find out what the breed makeup is. Yes, I have that was suggested to me, and I'm like, why do I care? I have the dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might feed him different. I don't know. Right, right. So, so uh, back to the issue at hand. You know, you know, I, I can very closely visualize the just-in-time risk of the food system. I think most people, I, I, I shouldn't speak for most people, but I think until you experience a currency collapse, I don't know how you visualize what that really means. Well, um. It, it 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 basically comes down to you know there may be a couple of different ways it happens but but that the value of the currency starts failing quickly so let's say today a hundred dollars would buy you you know uh, two bags of groceries um, and then uh, within a week it only buys you one bag of groceries and within a month you know you're only getting a dozen eggs and so so and then all of a sudden you realize that um, your fight and flight gets tripped where you realize that you might not be able to feed yourself because the value of the currency is dropping that quickly. Um, and, and you don't know what to do. You haven't been through it before. Uh, yeah. And, and of course you hadn't prepared for it. Like for instance, what I'm picking up is that the value of the dollar, I think, will keep the dollar, but it may may lose a tremendous amount of value, mm-hmm. and you won't be able to exchange it um, for the same thing that you did a week before or two weeks before. But at the same time, when one currency goes down, there's generally another currency that will uh, go up, and that looks to be, uh, right now, that looks to be Bitcoin, uh, gold, and silver. And and the indications are, how, how would you say it? The red lights are flashing, especially if the IMF just came out and said they're going to create a, you know, use another um, world reserve currency, which which kind of means that there's no need for a good amount of the dollar that's already out there. And, and then and what by, happened? And by to, the, JC, uh, sorry to interrupt, but just to clarify, by IMF, you're not talking about intermuscular fat and beef cattle. No. No, international yeah, monetary second, fund. Yeah, right. The secondary use of it, the international monetary fund. Yeah, okay. The, so, so literally, we would go into the stores, and the the prices on the uh, in the stores, they finally got tired of keep on changing them because they changed every day, and they just kind of like put the value 
of, of the exchange when you walked in the door. You know, they, they might have priced everything in dollars and then they said what the exchange rate was for the, let's say, the Soviet ruble. Um, and, you know, and that, that's quite scary because the value of everything changes. And, you know, if you haven't had that experience, it's, it's like getting, you know, um, financially raped. Um, and, and if you so, actually, you know, the big picture, no country is, um, is in the black on their, on their, um, their currencies. They're all deep in the red. Look at what we just did. We just spent $5 trillion on a fake pandemic plus the federal reserve. Um, yeah, the federal reserve balance sheet just expanded by $7 trillion. How can you even comprehend that? You can't. And, and that our debt is now about $30 trillion. So you, you have to sit back and think, you know, now the people that are elected to office, these people, uh, most of them are idiots. Uh, I don't think there's any argument there. But the people who really control the uh, the country from behind the scenes, they, they're not stupid, and they can hire the, the, the smartest people in the world. So why is it that all countries are massively in the red? And it's almost like something else is coming, and they're just going to have a reset. And, and of course, we, we heard out of uh, the Davos group, which are – uh, basically, the financial elite that think that the rest of uh, the world is here to serve them, um, the ones pushing global man-made global warming who all fly to Switzerland in their private jets, you know, mm. the hypocrites, those guys. Right. They There's came out. fuels causing that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, they're, they're spokesmen of the World Economic Forum. This guy, Klaus Schwab, came out and, you know, said, well, we want a global reset. And then they said, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll cancel all your debts, but then you don't own anything. You can just rent it from us. They actually said that. You know, and, 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 you know, all you have to do is look into Klaus Schwab's uh, family history and you'll see him tied directly to the Third Reich. Seriously. Yeah. So, JC, there's 331 million people in the United States, I think, today, roughly. 330 point. Five million of those people think you're nuts. Yes. Think that this is the United States. We're never going to have, uh, not have electricity. We're never going to have a value of a dollar collapse where it's not worth anything. We're never going to have food not available at the grocery store. You seem to be in a minority. I, I am. I should get my DNA checked. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a DNA fingerprint on you to see where you're from. <laughs> Right. Right. Of course. Of course. You know, you don't want to be right in these issues, but just look at it. I've experienced it. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, people are going, oh, well, you ask the advice and you go, well, who are you listening to? Oh, well, CNN. Oh, you mean a paid actor um, or some guy blogging in his mother's basement? You know, no, no, I got to experience it. I got tortured over there, you know, financially. Um, by by the collapse of the financial systems numerous times. And you come back and you go, guys, look, it's all set up. Um, and and now all you have to do is dig into information that people aren't, aren't 
uh, weren't privy to, but it, it is it is there, such as, as we know, NATO is provoking Russia into a war. That's a really unwise move. I've dealt with the Russians for 18 years. And now now you you just look at the vulnerability of our our, uh, our electric system. If you read the book by Ted Koppel called Lights Out, you will see that there are nine key substations in America, nine key. If those go down, the entire grid goes down. And, and the official estimate is that if our grid goes down for one year, 90% of Americans lose their life. They die, right? You don't die from lack of electricity. You die from lack of food and water and, and bad hygiene. So now if you, if you actually, you know, people were paying attention and you looked up something called the Medcalf um, uh, substation, you will find that somebody did a beta test where they snuck up on the, the, the substation um, at one o'clock at night and proceeded to shoot holes in the cooling towers of the, of the transformers and, and shut down 17 transformers and then disappeared. And if they shut down a few more, um, the Silicon Valley would have gone dark for six months. Right. So it's very easy to shut down, um, uh, take out a, a transformer. You only need 27 people. For, for nine transformers. This is all documented. This is what they don't tell you, right? And so now, now if you want to start a fight with Putin, maybe you should look at what's known as the Spetsnaz. The Spetsnaz are like their version of our Navy SEALs. Officially, during the Obama administration, Janet Napolitano signed an agreement to bring in 15,000 Spetsnaz. This is documented. Now, whether they came or not, we can't tell, but it looks like we have a few thousand special operation Russian uh, uh, soldiers on our territory. Let's start a fight with Putin and see what happens to our substations. This is all documented. This is, I mean, you know, this is a real situation. And I, I hate to ruin people's, you know, um, uh, uh, Starbucks latte. Um, by saying we are positioned to be taken down by just simply turning off the electricity. And, and as I read an article from one of my friends who's one of the top guys on this. His name is Jonathan Hollerman. He writes a book called Survival Theory, which I highly recommend buying. And he's, he's pointed out that 10% of all the transformers in New York City are Chinese. Now, do you think the possibility is the Chinese built in back doors into the Transformers? No, Just no they would no. never do that, JC. They never did. You're, no, you're no. now a conspiracy theorist. So I got to go to a break. I'm not going to listen to any more of this until okay. after the break. Okay, that's it. More roll route after this. Welcome back. Roll route, JC Cole. Uh, there's several great questions that have come up that I haven't gotten to. Philip had a couple that I do want to get back to. When the electricity is sketchy, we have rolling blackouts. When the currency is tough to find somebody willing to pay for what you have or use the value of what you have. If you have the food, will people actually, I'm going to use a, a very poor analogy, leave the cities coming to the country looking for food? How much do you need to protect what you have is what my that, question is. That is the opinion. And if we, we go to, well, you had brought up 330. I like to use 320 million people. 
We have 320 million people in the United States with more than 320 million guns and private ownership. So what happens to the people who have the food? And, and of course, the farmers are quite wise is that they know that if something breaks, the people people will come to their farm. They all have to protect the food. Well, what happens to the poor guys who, who are in the inner cities who have guns and can't feed their family? Do you actually think that they're going to have a moral obligation not to use those guns to feed their family? And so, again, we're set up. I mean, Obama was one of the best gun salesmen in, in, in the uh, nation. He sold something like a third of all the guns. Um, and now we are in a very dangerous position where we're at a catch-22, where if our um, delivery system goes down or our electric, which is the, the delivery system, or the banking, which is the payment for the delivery system, if those go down, um, uh, people you know, 98% of the people don't have food, right? We're the 2%. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point. What makes us think that if we have the food and we have our, you know, 257 or whatever whatever it may be uh, that we use for protecting from predators, the people coming for uh, as per, I mean, never had a coyote shoot back at me, to be honest. I'm just saying. But yes, I could, if somebody's I hungry, they, they probably might bring something more than a slingshot. Yeah, that that's true. And, and of course, we'll put, look at the moral dilemma. Do you really want to have to shoot somebody because they're taking your food? And the answer, you know, mine is no, I don't. But I want them no. to go away. And there's no right. solution for it. Actually, it comes down to a very, very poignant issue. There is no food security in the United States and security food security is food production of which we actually have good food production plus the availability to get to it. We don't have that. It's, it's the, you know, the average unit of food in, um, in America uh, travels 1,500 miles. So what happens that shuts down the delivery system? then the food's not on the East Coast. Right. And that's where about 170 million people live, east of the Mississippi. So we, we have, now we can, we can come up with solutions, and that's actually the whole driving force behind the um, American Gray Swans, is to come up with solutions where we can create enough food in the areas where it's not presently grown that we can get through tough times. You know, it's a, it's just basically a balance. It's an 80-20 rule. You know, with all of these things that we're talking about, though, to be honest, I I feel like I have control of my food supply. I feel very vulnerable with the power grid because I don't have control of that. And so the, the answer is, and it kind of comes back to where we even started this conversation today, is what are you going to do to get control of it? Because at this point, I'm vulnerable to everything but that, or no, except that is the vulnerability. That is, that is one of the major vulnerabilities is our power grid. And so what I'd say is that, oh, oh let's store some diesel. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I wish I would have thought of that a couple of weeks. You know, where were you a year ago when diesel was a dollar a gallon ch- cheaper? I was buying diesel. <laughs> 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 right. Um, but, 
what, 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 what happens is, for instance, you want redundancy. So you have, you have uh, um, uh, propane and a generator. Well, I recommend mm-hmm. that you pick up a, a PTO generator because you already have the tractor. And then you have some diesel. And that, that, that keeps you in very good positioning. Right now, you can you can expand that, but that's those are the immediate things that you'd be able to run your well, which is water, which is what you need. You need potable water, and right. um, you know, and and once you get that in your control, it's a big issue. You already have food in your control. That now, you know, then then you get into a couple other areas. Um, you know of of, of uh, uh, items, uh, resources in your control, you might say. Right. And of course, you're never going to be perfect. So you want something to have an exchange system. So I, I personally recommend having some silver. Um, so that you'll be able to, um, exchange and you can have some Bitcoin. But if the, again, if the system goes, uh, goes dark, you're not going to be able to exchange the Bitcoin very easily until it comes back up. So in my lifetime, JC, I, I've experienced, uh, so born in 1966, really engaged in farming in 1984, which was a wonderful year. But um, this is the year I graduated high school and decided that was going to be my future. And in the eight, 70s and 80s, farms were still diversified. We still had, we've, we've fa- started phasing out the two or three milk cows, still had some chickens. Everybody had some pigs, some cattle and whatever rotational crops. And then about 84, about the time I got really involved, everybody decided to specialize. You're either a cattleman, you're a pig producer, you're a row crop farmer, you're a a contract broiler producer, whatever the case may be. And all of that specialization, as as wonderful as it made us in terms of efficiency of food production, it created those vulnerabilities in that when one species was bad or one crop was bad, you you were at risk. Yes. And we now and come full also- circle to where you're telling us our our financial wherewithal and our even our currency cannot be just as specialized as farming was, that we need to have that diversity for security. Correct. Correct. And it and it all comes back down to what Kissinger said, control oil, you control nations, control food, you control the people. And, and in that 84 and the diversification, what you end up doing was going into economics of scale. So you got these big companies producing, producing one product and that just crushed the small farmers. And, you know, you added in some government, uh, bureaucracy and, and, um, and, and, uh, barriers and, you destroyed that system. Destroyed what we know is the food grid. That mm-hmm. that now we we don't have a diverse food grid, and if our system breaks, a majority of the people go without food. So we're actually positioned into into a very dangerous um, corner. And 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 1984, you start to look. Well, wasn't that about the time that um, that our manufacturing started to get, you know, offshore to China? And wasn't that about the time of the famed spotted owl where they Mm -hmm. started to shut down environmentally um, uh, different uh, different um, uh, production? Destroyed the logging industry. Yeah, destroyed the logging industry in the United States and the West. 
And so wasn't that about the time George Bush Sr. became president of the United States or vice president under President Reagan? What are, yeah. what, you know, are, are these all coincidences or is it just look at that timing? And so if you look, the value of a country is based on its manufacturing capabilities, its agriculture and its mining and natural resources. And what happened to ours? It got ripped to shreds starting really about the 70s, I would guess. And now we're just teetering on 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 balance, trying to bring back our manufacturing, trying to open up some of our mining, like, for instance, in uh, rare earths, uh, which we must have to defend ourselves. Um, and and of course, agriculture. Right. We need agriculture. The last thing I checked is I get up in the morning and I eat. Maybe I eat a little bit too much, but I eat. Right. And if, if you don't have food and what happened in the Soviet Union collapsed, their, their uh, supply chain collapsed. But what happened was life was so bad in the 70s and 80s that 90% of the people had their own little garden. We would call it like a victory garden um, back from World War II, and that they would be able to produce up to 70% of their own food. And that would generally be within five miles of where they live. So, so the entire former Soviet Union had a very strong food grid. And most of their other... Uh, production were co-host farms that were within 30 miles of uh, population centers. So when their system collapsed, they never had to worry about food. Uh, JC, uh, because we're short on time, you left out one 1984 significance, and I just verified it. It was 1985, the Farm Bill created the Conservation Reserve Program paying farmers not to farm. Paying farmers not to farm. Isn't that Correct. brilliant? Right. And they authorized course, 45 million acres to go into that program. Of course, we left out another one, 1984, and that's the book. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and his name isn't even George Orwell. That was his right. pen name. Read that. We're living it. Yeah. He, he, he wrote that in the 50s. He just missed it by, like, you know, a lifetime or so. Right. Yeah. All right, one minute. What's our take home this week? I would say wake up, start start uh, reading information, and 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 prepare so that you're not vulnerable for if our systems collapse. Ah, that'll never happen. We'll just get together and talk about it again next week. Yeah, right. According to the U.S. Census today, the U.S. population is three hundred thirty-one million four hundred twenty thousand. Just saying. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. J.C. Cole, once again, how do we read your stuff? Just go to Loose Tales Network. We'll get your stuff on there or Robert David Steele's blog, either one. Robert David Steele and just uh, search American Grace Wands. American Grace Wands. That's it. We We both remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. See you tomorrow. Are you concerned about the land grabs from Washington, D.C., or possibly your state or the local heritage area? Tonight, 
Red Cloud, Nebraska, 6.30 Central Time at the Community Center. There will be an informational seminar. Norm Kincaid will be coming up from southeast Colorado talking about his experiences with the Pinion Canyon expansion. Tonight, Red Cloud, Nebraska. Tomorrow night, Hebron, Nebraska. Both of them, 6.30 at the Community Center.